Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Who am I? I'm pretty average. The average age of a kid in foster care. From the majority background of kids in care, having experienced abuse and neglect from those meant to protect me, I am nine times more likely to commit crimes, 25% more likely to get pregnant as a teenager, and there's a 30% chance that when I have children, I too will abuse them. This is who I am until someone breaks the cycle. Those are some pretty grim stats, aren't they? Not exactly the upbeat way I usually like to start a message. Um, But honestly, we have an orphan problem. We do. There's an orphan problem, not just worldwide, uh, millions of orphans. We have an orphan problem right here in the United States, right here in Illinois, right here in Joliet. Um, In the state of Illinois, there's 13,000 kids, give or take, in in foster care right now, and 3,000 of them are currently available for adoption. They're orphans right here in our backyard. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how we can break that cycle in a little bit. But first I want to kind of give you a little background on, on how I got to be here. I mean, well, not how I got to be here. That's a different talk for another day. Um, okay, good. Uh, I'm glad you guys get that. And We won't go there. That's, yeah. Um, anyway, but, you know, growing up I, I knew a few people who had adopted or who had fostered, but I didn't really understand the why behind foster care. I didn't really understand what kids who had grown up in orphanages, what they had experienced and what they had endured. And, and when I met my wife in college, I still remember to this day uh, where we were, we, we were talking uh, while we were dating about kids, you know, how many kids we want to have, having that kind of a talk. And we both talked about how, I don't, neither of us remembers who brought it up first, but w- how we both wanted to adopt. We just thought maybe, you know, one day, like, that might be cool. Little did we know that would be the way that God would build our family. Um, and it, it was pretty cool to, to see, you know, fast forward then, um, some years later in 2009, we'd been married about nine years at that time, and, uh, we decided it was time to start the adoption process. Six months later, not only had we completed our home study, but we had a baby in our arms. I mean, it was like by far the fastest adoption story I've heard still to this date, and I work with foster and adoptive families. Like, it was just a, a crazy, amazing, uh, fast experience. But God used that experience to, to light a fire, to ignite a fire in me that I had no idea where he was going to lead that, where it was going to take me. Um, but I realized right after this, uh, you know, that in, in, this, in this initial fire that God birthed in me, it, it started out with just understanding how expensive so many adoptions can be. International adoptions, domestic infant adoptions uh, can be extremely expensive. And I found out that Christians are twice as likely, more than twice as likely to adopt as non-Christians. In fact, 38% of Christians have strongly considered the idea of adoption. Yet only 5% actually do. 5%. 
And for many of these families, they decide not to move forward on adoption because of the expense. They realize it's going to be expensive, and I don't know how we can afford that, how we can do that. And, um, but here's the thing. I, I've, I've realized two things since understanding those t- statistics. Number one, what God calls you to, he provides for. I have not heard of one family who's adopted that God didn't provide the funds for. It was an overwhelming obstacle for all of them, but yet God provided. Number two, the second thing I found is that there's a lot of great organizations out there helping with funding adoptions. And so they, uh, you know, give grants, they give interest-free loans, and so those problems, in my mind, really quickly were wrapped up and solved. Like, those aren't problems for me. So, you know, back to me and my story, as my son likes to say, let's talk about me. Um, you know, we, we moved back to the Chicago area. Now we have a two-year-old in tow, and uh, we wanted to adopt again, but we needed to take some time to heal from a failed adoption. And sometimes those happen. But we began to do some ministry within our church and um, just helping to educate people on, on the different avenues that they can get in to orphan care, domestic infant adoption, to, um, international adoption, foster care, safe families for children, and uh, we started a play group for families uh, that kids could come and play together and parents could hang out. Uh, we tried doing uh, a support group. And as time went by, we decided it was time to adopt again. But God had really changed our hearts from getting a child for our family to really giving our family to a child. And there's a pretty strong distinction there. Um, it's an important distinction because, I mean, really, after all, who really needs another kid to fight with at bedtime? I mean, if you've had a toddler, right, you, you know what that's like. I mean, nobody really needs a, another child. Uh, I mean, bedtime at my house is like a hostage negotiation, but in reverse. You know, it's like, what do you need? Do you need a helicopter? You know, okay, like, can we get you a bag of candy bars and unwrapped, you know, uh, wrapper or unmarked wrappers? Or what do you need? Just stay in your room, please. Just stay in your bed for crying out loud. Um, that's how it is. And now don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with wanting a child for your family. After all, that's how we started out. Um, God, you know, we, we really wanted a, a baby in our family. We wanted a child. But it's also really important to understand that many of these children need a whole lot more than just love to make this work. Um, ex- you know, they need a whole lot more than just love and, and our expectation that they're just going to fit into our family and we're going to go about life as normal. No, these, these children need generous, compassionate, patient, intentional parenting. And it takes a whole lot more than love to just to, to do all those things. So we decided that we were going to adopt again, but um, we figured we were going to have to wait, that we were going to have to wait quite a while, because after all, we'd waited, you know, about a third less than most of you guys have had to wait for a child. We only waited six months. Most of you guys are waiting nine months. Um, That's just how it was for us. And um, we decided to go ahead and adopt again, and we had a couple of opportunities come our way, and um, ultimately those birth parents decided that they wanted to parent their children. And that was... That was hard. That was really painful. But also we, we wanted to rejoice and, and, and we could take joy in knowing that these children were going to get to remain with their biological family. The way that God had really orchestrated life to work out, right? And, and, and to be that way. And so that was a good thing. But while we waited, God really used this time to turn our hearts more f- towards children in foster care. And I mentioned before, there's like about 13,000 kids 
in the state of Illinois in foster care, 3,000 of them waiting to be adopted right here in our own backyard. So nearly two years after we started the adoption pro process, God provides us with a baby girl, uh, a daughter, and, and, and he made it clear that he wanted us to start a ministry for foster and adoptive families. Now, what would that look like? I had no idea at the time. You know, it was like, God made it clear, start this ministry, and okay, God, what does that mean? Uh, you know, um, I, I don't know. And, and so what I did was I, I began to look around the country at different organizations and talk with leaders of other organizations and find out what God was doing and, and what other people were doing, what they saw the needs were. And, and God made it clear how he was going to make my passions intersect with the problems that we are seeing. And my passion really, again, was to solve the problems surrounding foster care by engaging the local church. And that's really what needs to happen. Um, I didn't see very many organizations doing this. And the problem that I found, the big problem that I found that needed to be solved was that both foster and adoptive families often feel misunderstood, frustrated, and alone. If you're taking notes today, that's, that's the problem. Again, it's, it's that both foster and adoptive families often feel misunderstood, frustrated, and alone. Misunderstood for the reason, you know, for the reasons for fostering or misunderstood for the reasons for adopting. Sometimes they're misunderstood for the way that they parent or the kinds of things that they experience. The tension that they feel between wanting desperately for this child that they're fostering to be able to go home to their biological family, but at the same time wanting to keep them and love them because how hard that's going to be. Frustrated with the foster care system. Frustrated with the amount of paperwork it takes to adopt. Frustrated with some of the behaviors that they see in their children. And frustrated with people not understanding, not knowing what it's like. And so they feel isolated. And they feel alone. And they feel like no one understands. No one feels the way that they do. No one understands what it's like. No one experiences the things that they do. And they feel like nobody cares. Feel like nobody wants to help. They feel like people at their church don't care and people at their church don't want to help and they're in this all alone. Listen, 50% of foster parents quit after just one year due to lack of support. 50%. No wonder the foster care system is in the shape that it's in. They can't keep people around, right? And people communicate with their actions. And what their actions are saying is that I can't keep doing this without some support. I can't go on. I can't continue to do this. Last week was Orphan Sunday globally. Around the world, people celebrated Orphan Sunday. And um, uh, a lot of people celebrate adoption and celebrate orphan care on, on Orphan Sunday. But, um, and they should. They should celebrate that. But I also want to share a little bit of a story, a little bit of an illustration with you that comes with celebrating adoption and celebrating foster care and what the needs really are. And, and so I, I want to tell you about a man who one day decided to walk out to the, to the end of a long pier. And he decided along the, um, uh, you know, the sea, and he's out at the edge of the pier, that he's thinking maybe he's going to jump in. He's just thinking about it. And there, there's some crowds of people back on the shore, and, and they're looking at him, and they start to encourage him, like, come on, man, go ahead, jump. Jump, jump in. And he's, he edges out a little bit closer to the edge of the, uh, right on the edge, curls his toes over the pier, and 
He's like, I, I think I might do it. And they're like, yeah, jump, jump. And now there's more and more people, and they're coming. And crowds are getting bigger. And now there's a marching band, and, and people are wearing, you know, matching T-shirts, and they're getting really excited. The crowd's getting bigger. And like, jump, jump, come on, you got to jump. And he's like, okay, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to do this. I, I, I think I might. They're jump, jump. And was, uh, the crowd reach the, reaches this frenzied pitch. Come on, jump, jump. And, and it's only when he decides, he's, he finally decides he's going to jump, and he jumps in, and his body hits this freezing cold water. And his body goes into shock, and he, he realizes, you know, I can't touch the bottom. And then he realizes, I can't swim. I can't swim. And so he, start, he starts to cry, help, help. And there's nothing. There's silence. And he yells, help, help. And water's filling his mouth and his lungs. And he's screaming, help. And there's nothing. And finally, one lone voice breaks the silence. And he said, we don't know how to help. We only know how to say jump. And for years now, the church has been doing a great job of encouraging people to jump into the ocean of foster care and adoption. But also doing very little in preparation to help the families that once they decide to follow that call. Most churches aren't prepared or equipped for what happens after that. And I don't point the finger at anybody because literally most of the time it's, it's one of two things. They, they don't know there's a need or they're unsure what to do. We don't know how to help. We just know how to say jump. And so, what are we supposed to do? Should we stop encouraging people to foster or adopt? The answer to that is a resounding no. Absolutely not. You know, James 1.27, a, a, a verse that many people point to um, for the reasons that we, that we continue to jump in to foster care and adoption and, and, and jump in this realm of orphan care. James says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Pure religion. The NIV says that it's the kind of religion that God accepts. In Isaiah 117, God says, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the orphan, fight for the rights of widows. See, the prophet Jeremiah says the same thing over and over throughout Scripture. You know, in Deuteronomy, I mean, you'll find the word the fatherless, like how God feels about the fatherless over and over and over. Throughout Scripture, we see God's heart for the orphan, and he cares for them, and his anger burns against anyone who would harm the orphan. Read your Bibles. It's amazing what God will, will say and what he will show you. No, we can't turn our backs on this issue. In fact, we need more people to jump in to this ocean of foster care and adoption. This is the very heart of God. It's who God is. But what do we do for those, about those who decide to jump in when maybe we don't feel like we're the ones that, that God's called us to? Um, maybe we're not the ones that are supposed to do the jumping. See, I believe that not everyone should foster or adopt, but we can all do something. All of us can do something. Uh, all of us can care for orphans and widows. These are the most vulnerable in our society and have been since the beginning of time. 
They're the easiest to prey upon. That's why God's anger burns against anyone who would harm a child. Most of us, if we see somebody harming a defenseless child, it, it lights a fire in us. And that's happening. But for us to be truly God's representatives here on earth, to be Christians, to be Christ-like, to be Jesus' representatives here on earth, we must care for the orphans in and around our community. This is not the job of just a select few. Like, oh, man, good job. You, you're fostering. That's, that's great. You decided to adopt. You're great. You're awesome. No, that's not what it is. And, and so when our awareness level has been raised, like I talked about before, I, you know, I said, you know, sometimes we don't know there's a need. You guys can no longer say that. So your awareness level has been raised. When your awareness level has been raised and you know that caring for these children around the world is something that we ought to do, not just ought to do, but that we must do, biblical mandate that we have to look at the problem, we have to look it dead in the face, and we have to decide, what are we going to do about it? We have to answer that question. What are we going to do about this problem? Do we get involved? Do we break that cycle? Or do we just sit idly by and just let that cycle continue? And none of us knows what hangs in the balance of our decision for whether or not we're going to get involved. We have no idea the impact that one of us might make in the life of a child, in the life of another family, based on our decision of whether or not we're going to get involved. We have no idea what hangs in that balance. The difference between a child growing up and becoming another statistic or growing up loved and cared for and knowing the love of our Father in heaven can be the difference between you deciding to get involved or not. It has everything to do with that. And so that's why we started the ministry Love Moves Us. We started around this problem because the gap that exists between what foster and adoptive families need and what the church has been able to provide is just far too wide. That gap is far too wide. Families are looking for community. Families are looking, they want to be around other families that look like theirs, whose children look like them. Parents who experience similar behavior patterns. Parents who understand what it's like to adopt or what it's like to foster people who understand why they parent differently. They're looking for their people, people who get it. And after all, aren't, at the end of the day, isn't that what we're all looking for? Aren't we all looking for community, somebody that we can say is our people, people who get me? You know, that's what we want. Um, somebody who doesn't judge us, but somebody who listens to us. Because we, we all crave community. We're all looking for somebody who has who's had similar experiences to us. That's why there's support groups out there that exist, right? I mean, you know, things like AA, that's, that's why it works, to get around other people who have experienced what they've experienced because you get it and you know how hard it is to overcome this and you can help me through it. That's why there's support groups around, you know, for parents who have lost children. It's refreshing to talk with somebody who knows what it's like, who's been through what you've been through, who gets it. And God refreshes our soul through that community. Families are needing encouragement. They're needing support. They need to know that they're not in this alone and that they can get through the hardships and the difficulties that they're experiencing, the frustrations that they're experiencing. See, it's ridiculous 
I think it's ridiculous that foster and adoptive parents would have to languish through this all alone, feeling isolated and, 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 and by themselves. It's terrible for them to feel all alone. And so we don't want to see foster and adoptive families struggle. We want to see them flourish. And that's the vision of Love Moves Us, that we would not see foster and adoptive families struggle with the, the unique and, and difficult things that they experience because of the nature of foster care, but that they would flourish. And so we started what we call family gatherings. And um, they're small groups for foster and adoptive families. And uh, what we really want to do is we want to see more groups in more locations to serve more families. At the end of the day, that's what we want to do. And here's the way we do that. It's, the solution, if you're taking notes, the solution is really simple. Breathe life and love into foster and adoptive families through service and support. Breathe life and love into foster and adoptive families through service and support. See, we're engaging the community, we're engaging churches, organizations, and individuals to serve and support foster and adoptive families so they don't struggle, but they flourish. So practically, what does that look like? Well, Family gatherings are, 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 again, small groups where foster and adoptive families come together for community, for that encouragement, and for that support. And so there's a few things that happen. Number one, first, it's for the whole family, as the name suggests. Family gathering. Brilliant, isn't it? Um, we want fathers in this too. We want fathers engaged in this. See, I, I've noticed there's a problem. When it, if, I don't know if any of you guys are in social work or... Um, uh, if you look at orphan care ministries around the, the country, so many of, of the ministries in this field is dominated by women. And don't get me wrong, I got nothing against women. I'm married to one and I love her to death. She's my best friend. But um, the problem is when things are, are, are dominated by one gender, it oftentimes leaves the other gender feeling left out or that they can't engage or the things that they plan are really you know, targeted because they're thinking only for their own gender, and they're targeted for their specific gender, and no guys are really wanting to be a part of that. Like, that doesn't sound exciting to me. You're, men men want to fight. Men want something to fight for, you know? And, and they're not looking for a Pinterest club, most of them, you know? Um, they're not. Don't, I mean, there's, it's fine, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's a field dominated by women because they're compassionate, and I get that, and that's how God's wired you, and it's awesome. But we need to engage men in this battle. And so we need dads involved too. After all, they are half the parent force. Or, I mean, at least they're supposed to. I, they're supposed to be. I mean, I know there's single parents out there, and they'll tell you it's hard, right? If you're a single parent, you know how difficult it is. But in the wise words of the, po of the poet Rob Bass, it, it takes two to make a thing go right. Any 90s fans out there? Come on, come on. Yeah, all right. A few of you know who I'm talking about. If you don't, you can Spotify that, you know, if, if you're too young for that. But if you're too old for that, I don't know. I have asked one of the teenagers or something. But, you know, we want to bring the whole family together. And uh, we want to remove two of the biggest barriers that they might encounter. And that's food and child care. You know, those are the two biggest barriers for families to get involved. It's like, oh, man, I got to feed my kids. How, you know, you're doing this right around dinner time. And I got to get my kids fed and get them out the door. No, 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 Just get in the car and go. Like, we got food. We're going to feed you. We're going to feed the whole family. Well, child care, what am I going to do with my kids? I can't come to this group and hang out with you guys, and I really want it, but we can't find anybody to babysit. Nobody ever watches our kids. In fact, we haven't been on a date night in 10 years. 
10 years. I can't leave my kids alone. No, bring the kids. We got volunteers that are going to come and serve you. And so they're going to hang out and they're going to do kids' activities with the kids. And they're going to have a great time while you get a little bit of a break. We remove those two barriers. Just show up. So we feed the kids first, and we hand them off to these volunteers, and they do great activities with the kids, and they have a great time. And then, then the parents eat together, and community happens over a meal, right? You guys experience that. If you're in a small group here, you know that. And then we move into the living room for a, a little bit of a small group time, and we watch DVD, and, and, and we discuss. Um, most of it's centered around discussion. We watch like a couple of tiny little clips, a couple minutes. And uh, our discussion centered around parenting and foster care and adoption. And we provide parents with tips and tools that they can take home and begin to use and implement right away to help them in fostering connection and building trust with their children. Because, see, many of these children have experienced trauma in one form or another and at varying degrees, varying levels. Trauma, things that they should have never been exposed to. Um, and those things translate into their behavior. See, these aren't bad kids. Kids in foster care aren't bad kids. These are kids who have had bad things happen to them. Things that they should have never experienced. And so for many of this, these kids, they've never been able to trust the very one person that they should have been able to trust their entire lives. Their parents have failed them for one reason or another. And it's not always the parents that are, that, that are bad people either. They've had bad parents and, and struggled with things. Never had a model of what a good parent looks like themselves. So it's not that they don't care, but they don't know what to do sometimes. And so these kids, these kids, if, if just imagine this, being seven years old and removed from your parents. First of all, how traumatic is that? We're taking you away from the only thing. Even if they haven't been great parents, they're the one thing you do know. And now we're going to make you go live with this stranger. And oh, by the way, you're supposed to trust them and make sure and just believe that everything's okay, right? So, you know, we wonder why many of them, you know, they've experienced things that many of us have never experienced and never will, but it should be no surprise to us that they can't trust, literally can't trust foster parents because they've never been able to trust anyone in their lives or they're fearful, or they're trying to control everything around them. I want a snack. Here, here's an apple. No, 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 I want this. It's a control thing. It's control because their lives are out of control, and so they're trying to control any little thing that they can to feel safe and to feel like they're in control of what's going to happen to them. These are kids that have had bad things happen to them. So we give parents tools that they can use to help build trust and foster connection with these children to help them heal. We give these parents opportunities to discuss their experiences and share in the room. And, and then at the end of the evening, we pray for everyone in the room. We tell people we believe in the power of prayer. And we get people who don't believe in Jesus. And I love it. And that's awesome. Because then we get to pray for them. We get to tell them that we believe in this. So Here's the thing, when you hear about those 13,000 kids in foster care in Illinois, or nationwide 500,000 kids in foster care, there's about 100,000 kids across the U.S. that are waiting to be adopted. Orphans, 
We don't call them orphans. We call them kids in foster care, don't we? You might be tempted to say, what can I do? What can I do about this, Jason? I mean, this problem's big. Where in the world do you expect me to make any kind of a dent in this? But see, here's what I believe. I, I don't think we should let the size of a problem determine our lack of action. Right? We shouldn't be indecisive or apathetic because a problem seems too large. In fact, I love what Andy Stanley says. Andy Stanley says, you should do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. It's a simple way to start. It's a real simple way to start. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You can make a difference in the life of one. One child. One family. That's what God wants you to do. That's where you start. Just do something. And that's how we started. We started with one group at our home, hoping, you know, like we can help one or a couple families. We'll see how, what God does with this and who will show up. And uh, a year ago, we had one family gathering. Here we are a year later, we have five. And they're all full. We're having to turn people away because we can't have any more people in the home. Because we have about 40 people who show up. When you're talking about, you know, eight families with kids, you get 16 adults in there, you get about 20-some kids, and we need volunteers. You got a lot of people in one home. And we don't want to overwhelm our volunteers who are being gracious enough to open their homes to strangers and just, you know, we, we, we want to accommodate them. And so we, we have to close it down. And we want to allow for good discussion so we can't have 25 people in the room. And so, we, you know, a year ago we had 60, I think was our biggest group we ever had. Thankfully it was at one of my board members' house. She's a nice big house and we had 60 people in the house that night. I think she was a little overwhelmed. She's got a huge house. We had uh, 30 kids, 24 adults, and six volunteers. It was insane. But since then, again, we've had five family gatherings. We've been able to serve over 80 families this year and 180 children consistently. And most of the time, these families, when they come once, they're coming back. And then they start telling other foster and adoptive families that they know. And that's why we just keep filling up. And we need to launch more groups to help more families. We've more than doubled what we did last year, and we're pretty sure we think we can double it again next year. We even had one family who credited us with finding their daughter. Like, we're not an adoption agency. That's not what we do. I met with this guy. He started coming about a year ago. He and his wife started coming. They were adopting from China, and um, their adoption fell through, and they were devastated. They were hurt really bad, but they were really thankful that they had this community of support, other people who had been through that before, other people who knew what that meant and could walk alongside them through this. And so they were so grateful. But as they kept coming for that support and for that community, they met this other lady who had worked closely with an orphanage in China. And so she connected this couple with the director of this orphanage over in China. And this director matched them with this little girl that they're going to be bringing home from China in just a couple weeks. They have their daughter, and they said, because of love moves us. And they're so grateful. We had another family who had been following us on Facebook uh, for quite some time, and, and when, we, when they found out we were launching a new group out in Shanahan, they were really excited because that was their hometown. And so um, they registered for that family gathering, excited, and they realized that the host home was literally right around the corner from them in the same neighborhood. They actually walked 
to the family gathering. And she was fostering two little kids, um, a five-year-old girl and the infant um, uh, sibling. And um, this five-year-old had been in 11 placements in just one year. Yeah, in the last 12 months, she was their 11th, this little girl's 11th placement. So you imagine the trust issues and the, the bonding and connection that exists there and what's going to happen and how that comes out in her behaviors. And so this foster family wanting this little girl to stick and to be able to, to help her and love her and bond with her and help her to trust and heal, was this, this lady was excited that she found support right around the corner. And for the first time, there's hope that this girl can stick. And not only that, even better, was that the host home's little girl befriended this little five-year-old. And so now this five-year-old also has a friend right around the corner. There's hope there. There's joy there. So I ask you today, what can you do? What can you do? What will you do for one that you wish you could do for everyone? It's a simple next step. It really is. It's just real simple. Just do for one child, do for one family what you wish you could do for all of them. Your role, your role, again, if you're, if you're taking notes today, your role today, if you've not adopted or you're not fostering, is to serve and support. That's all you got to do. It's simple. Serve and support those who have. Foster and adoptive families need you to be Jesus to them. They need you to serve and support them while they follow God's call in their life to care for children. And there's a few things that you can do. First, you can give. You can give to organizations like Love Moves Us or other organizations that support foster adoptive families. You can give directly to families and help them be able to give their children some extracurricular activities or pay for the therapies that their children require or let them just go out on a date that maybe they haven't been able to do. But give generously and support the work that God has called them to do. You can, again, just, when you give to Love Moves Us, like, you're directly supporting um, the families and helping us to engage more churches and community uh, to serve, and it broadens our impact. Or you can volunteer. You can volunteer to host one of the family gatherings in your home. You can volunteer to provide that environment for families to find that connection and, and to be encouraged and supported. You can volunteer to work with the children directly with the kids. It's the, our ministry doesn't exist without volunteers. Our volunteers are what drives our ministry. And so these kids, they love coming to our family gatherings because they get to see and meet friends, see kids that look like them. You know, they get, see, get a chance to play. And um, it provides an opportunity for them to heal and build a strong sense of identity and connect with other children that look like them. We have some, some kids who call it the adoption party. You know, they look forward to coming every month. They call it the adoption party. And so you can volunteer. You can volunteer to do, to do the Hope Closet. When is that? First week in December, right? First Saturday in December. That's another great opportunity. Foster and adoptive families, they'll come to this thing. Because these kids that come into foster care typically come with nothing but the clothes on their backs. And so these families have to scramble to, to provide for them. And so that Hope Closet is a great resource that you guys have for these families. But you can volunteer directly for the families. You can go clean their home or do some grocery shopping. Make a meal for them. Rake some leaves. Shovel a driveway. But don't sit on the sidelines. 
Don't sit on the sidelines. You're going to miss out. Third thing, you can do service projects. Uh, we have a number of service projects that you can do that will directly impact families. You can organize them with your church, with your small group, in your community. The difference it's going to uh, make is, is you make an impact directly on families. And lastly, and I don't take this lightly, you can pray. You can pray. Don't leave here today and say, okay, well, Jason, my role here is I'm, I'm going to pray. And, and, and use that as a cop-out and not pray. If you're going to pray, pray. Pray fervently. Pray constantly. And get to know a foster or adoptive family and ask them how you can pray for them. Ask them what their needs are. Pray for them. God answers prayers. We've seen some amazing answers to prayer in our ministry. Because again, we pray every month for these families. And so we get to hear and see the answers to these prayers when we write down our prayer requests and pray for everybody. Listen, what would our community look like if everybody in this room, if everybody in our community decided today, I'm not going to let the devil destroy these children. I am not going to let him destroy these children. I'm not going to let him win this battle. We are going to, we are in, make no mistake, we are in a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle that we are in with these children who need to be in foster care, who need to be adopted. And if you're not making a ruckus for Jesus, the devil's got no reason to bother you. Right? He's got no reason to mess with you. Because you never know what hangs in the balance of your decision for whether or not you're going to get involved. It might be the next child who's abducted into sex trafficking. That could hang in the balance. It could be keeping a kid off the streets or some kid out of jail or off drugs. See, all of those things are directly related to children in foster care. These are the most vulnerable in our society, and there are direct links and statistics that show these are the kids, and that's where they end up. If we don't have people who step in to love them and care for them and help them heal and learn how to trust, we can make a difference. It's our choice. There are things that hang in the balance 